This is the Beard Winner Podcast, Episode 5. everybody, it's Darren, and I have been excitedly waiting to drop this episode for you, and I hope that you are just as excited to tune in for this bi-weekly dose of the Beard Winner podcast, because this episode has someone who has been inspiring me for a while and probably is the person I can assign some credit to for getting me back on the bus of being a creative again. And his name is David Dushman. David Dushman is a well-known humanitarian and conservation photographer. Both his personal and professional work are more than what many, if not most of us, would consider a lifetime's worth of accomplishment. He has published countless educational ebooks and has multiple successful and best-selling books in print, some of which we discuss in this podcast, such as Start Ugly and The Problem with Muses. Outside of being an author, David has always been a trailblazer and a master collaborator with his work on craft and vision, where he shows us how to see the world differently. Today, he is still inspiring us. He has a newer podcast called The Beautiful Anarchy, which I'll discuss more in a moment. But I have to say, prior to doing my research into David, into his background, I really wasn't too familiar with his breathtaking photos and written works. But for some reason, when digging into him, I thought, hmm, this mind, this creative mind, this name associated with it keeps scratching an itch like I know it from somewhere. And you know me, if you've known me personally, I'm a klutz. I definitely most likely have some recent battle wounds with gravity on my legs or arms or somewhere on me at this even given moment that you're listening to this, or next time you see me, I'll most likely have a scab or two or something from, you know, a feat with gravity. I most likely fell. But what I do recall about David was that my friends in an out-of-Chicago photography conference a couple years back were saying, don't fall. Remember that famous photographer in Pisa, Italy, who fell? That was David Dushman. And that's where I knew there was some kind of connection there. And everything happens for a reason. And my dad pointed me into the direction of David's newer podcast, To Beautiful Anarchy. And I have to say, with all honesty, after the very first episode, it had me hooked. It had me hooked on being creative, but it also had me hooked on being the best creative I could possibly be. The Creative Anarchy is not your typical photography podcast. What I can tell you, it, it is well thought out. It is honest, it is vulnerable, it is inspiring. It is not, (laughs) believe me, it is not focused on gear, pointless tips or tricks or shortcuts or hacks or things that are going to make you feel good about your competency as a photographer or your ability to create images or outdo the next person on Facebook or get an extra like. It is not that. It is much more in-depth and much more beneficial for helping you as a creative. It is geared towards anyone who has any creative endeavors, and I strongly suggest that you share it with anyone out there who has any artistic or creative endeavors whatsoever, because it truly will inspire them like it did me. With that being said, let's go ahead and hop into the conversation that I had with David. Alrighty, and hopefully everyone is just as excited to join me after hearing that great introduction. I have David Dushman joining me virtually. He's just outside of Vancouver on Vancouver Island, and... I just want to really know, why do you do what you do, David? Hey, Taryn. Um, 
You know, that's a really good question. I, um, I, I saw something, actually, I think I heard something on one of, on your podcast where you said you wanted to leave people better than when you met them or when you found them. And I would say that I am fully on board with that. I, when I was a kid, my mother taught me to leave the world a better place than when I found it. And I've always been really motivated to do that. Um, that's in terms of, you know, my writing and my humanitarian photography. And But the other side of it is entirely selfish. I I just love life. I think life is, you know, in the words of Helen Keller, you know, life is either a, a daring adventure or it is nothing. And so my camera and my writing and all of my creative pursuits, my business stuff, is I do it because I just, I love the adventure of discovering new things and challenging myself and, you know, like kind of growing into greater complexity as a human being. I, I There's no high for me like learning some new thing or creating something that I know is being useful to other people, bringing value to their lives. And I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think that that's why I felt such a strong pull and connection towards you and your podcast, because I was a mentor at PayPal um, years ago. And I remember getting my feedback from my mentees where the lead mentor said, Darren, you're cut from that same cloth that I am to where you want to leave people in a better place than where you found them. So that's why I started doing the podcast, because I just want to be able to spread love and I want to be able to inspire creatives like you've inspired me to be the best that I can be. I love it. Yeah. And, and with that, it working for corporate America doesn't always allow people to do that. I mean, definitely there's the weekend warriors out there who can get much more done in 48 hours than I could ever comprehend doing. But for those who are stuck in a nine to five who want to really stick it to the man and do something on their own, what do you suggest as far as some first steps? Like how long do you have to put up with it? <laughs> well, I, th I think that's different for everyone. You know, I, I think, first of all, I think there are plenty of people that can, if they are inclined to think creatively, that can find ways within their existing context to, as you so eloquently put it, stick it to the man. You know, we can, we can be subversive. We can love hard and live uh, dangerously within, you know, everyone in cre creative circles, everyone talks about thinking outside the box. And I think the, if the problems are inside the box, we need to think inside the box. And that would be my first thing. You know, it's easier to, for many people, I think, to adjust their thinking and find ways to make their current context challenging, to find a way to love something within it and bring value to people within it. Um, because it could be a long ride before you find a way to uh, exercise those, um, you know, entrepreneurial needs and the, the need to stick it to the man and kind of, you know, a little bit of little bit of beautiful anarchy. Uh, it could be a while before you find a way to do that. And I encourage people, there are some temperaments that will allow you just to go, that's it, I'm done, I quit, I'll figure it out, you know, and hopefully you've got something in the bank to support that. Um, but there are a lot of other people that I think do better to ease into it. You know, if you've got some kind of side hustle that you're engaged in and that you feel passionately about and that you're good at and bringing value to the world, then I think start doing that on the side. You know, however, stop watching TV, stop spending your time on Facebook, be really 
um, like jealously guard your time and build that thing on the side until you kind of have to make a choice. Like if you're into making macrame owls, then make as many macrame owls as you need to and, you know, or be a web designer or code video games or whatever, do as much of that as you can and find a way to, to sell it, to monetize it, to, and until the point at which you're like, I can't do both anymore. I got to pick. That's the, the, I hesitate to say the safe way because it's not really safe. It's still challenging, but it's, it's certainly the, the less risky way of doing it. I, the idea of just jumping in cold turkey and going, you know, to hell with that. I'm going to follow my passion. Well, some people are really passionate. I'm, I'm very passionate about, you know, cycling. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to put on the Lycra and go for a ride. And, but I'm really bad at it, Darren. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I mean, there's stuff. I couldn't be a mechanic. I'm terrible at that. I, I look at all my friends that are, are out riding and I'm looking at the, the number of kilometers they're putting in. I'm like, I'm not as fast. I don't go as far. I'm just, but I really love it. And we live in this culture now that's like, you got to follow your passion. You got to, you know, and yes, but it doesn't mean you have to quit your job to do it. And it may not be, bicycling may not be the way I bring value to the world. No, that's so true. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of pieces that I think that have to fall into place. And for most of us, especially right now, I mean, we're lucky in the sense, uh, many people are that, uh, and I use lucky kind of in, uh, in quotes, because right now, many people uh, with the pandemic, everything has changed and they've been forced into change and they, they are not sitting there kind of twiddling their thumbs going, well, I don't know, should I, shouldn't I? Suddenly things have changed and they have to do it. And sometimes that can result in some really exciting opportunities. It's scary as hell, but um, generally speaking, if you have the choice, I would say, make sure you got a bunch of money in a bank account and ease into this, especially those of you, you know, with families that have responsibilities that, you know, I mean, you have to put food on the table. Oh, yeah. And, and the, when you have other people counting on you, I think that changes the dynamic altogether. Also, when you have the choice, because one thing that kept coming out of when, when you're explaining it was time management. If you're not able to manage the 48 hours you get on a weekend with your nine to five, how are you going to manage being your own boss and hold yourself accountable to get tasks done. So I, I think that in my situation, it was a little bit different because COVID, as we've touched upon, has really changed the world. I worked in an industry that was completely propped up by the restaurant industry, and that's taken one of the hardest blows in the United States. And they said, okay, Darren, you're part of the 50% workforce reduction. And I said, okay, I've been on a podcast before. I know that I did not treat it like a job in the past, and I think that's where some of my shortcomings were, but this is my last best chance to get there. So what are your thoughts when someone's kind of forced into it? Like, I know that you've talked in the past, there's lessons that are needed to learn, but there's also lessons that could be avoided, and I don't want to avoid mistakes that are going to teach me something. Mm -hmm. Well, if you are suddenly pushed into this and you have decided that you know freelancing or being an entrepreneur, running your own business, is what you want to do and and not go back into the workforce then you just got enrolled in like you just got enrolled in an impromptu mba course and you better put your seatbelt on because no matter what it is you know you and i both uh i think as as i recall you were in photography um i, I am partly a professional photographer and in photography, I think people jump into something and they're like, you know, I'm going to go make photographs for a living. I think that's great. If you're very good at that craft, that's well done for you. 
But the minute you hang your shingle out and get business cards printed and say, I'm a photographer, you've got another craft and that's the craft of business. And in that is a whole slew of, you've got to study marketing, like your life depends on it. You've got to figure out finances. You know, money is one of your tools now and you've got to figure out how to use it, leverage it, be, be smart with it. And I mean, for most of us, uh, I'm, my best lessons were learned the hard way. You know, I, I went bankrupt once and you only have to do that once. Well, most of us before you kind of go, I got, I got to learn how to use money. I've got to figure it out. And I just had a, a talk with my accountant the other day and he says, I don't know what you're doing right, David, but you know, you like my only client that has money in the bank and doesn't have any, any deficits in, you know, uh, on your balance sheet. And I'm like, well, I, that's, that's just a result of having made some really, really bad decisions in the past. And if you can't afford to do trial by error, if you can't afford to go bankrupt first before you learn these lessons, then you better go, go to Amazon and drop a hundred bucks on some great books on how to manage your finances. And while you're there, get some books about being an entrepreneur. I think too many people have this idea of follow your passion, this idea of I'm gonna, gonna you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps. If you want to fast track that, you better be reading stuff from people and taking courses from people that know this stuff and have been there and can get you there faster because just being a really good, you know, insert what you do here, you know, a good photographer, video game coder, whatever, you could be the best in the world. But if you can't market it, if you can't deal with your finances, if you can't figure out uh, what other people want, what you bring the value to it, you know, let's face it. I mean, even as photographers, uh, I mean, the people that I talk to every day, they're like, you know, people just don't want photographs anymore. They, they or they don't want photographers. They're making their own photographs. Like you better figure, figure out a way to, to fit into that because you can't beat them over that. You can't make them care. You can't make them want to have to hire a photographer. So where do you bring value to the world? And you can moan and gripe all you want that people don't value it, but that's not, that's not their fault. They just, they, you know, they want something else. So there's a whole lot of stuff. And I, I know that what I just said is an overwhelming response to your simple question, but the easy, the easy answer is start studying, like put on your hat and start studying because this kind of thing, you cannot rely purely on whatever craft it is or skill set that you think is what the market wants. You got to tell them, you got to figure out pricing. You got to stay, you know, uh, solvent and uh, keep the money coming in. And that's, that's tough stuff. It is. And, and you outlined that in, in one of your books, how to feed the starting starving artist. And that was something where reading that book, I felt like it was kind of aimed towards me, not in a negative way, but it, I went through trial by fire. I started by buying a camera in 2012. I put it on a Best Buy type credit card. We have a place here called Nebraska Furniture Mart. And then I financed my website. I had an American Express card and racked up all this debt and started taking all these pictures throughout Europe, around the world. They were great pictures, don't get me wrong, but my dad joined me and I realized none of us are focusing on that business aspect of it. And I believe that's where we failed. A, like your book points out, you can't do it with debt. You have to be, make smart business decisions. And then B, we had two creatives leading the helm with no business sense to drive us to market as photos. If no one's there to see the photo, then how are they possibly going to want to even buy the photo? Yep. 
So yeah. it's it, you know it 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 all you nailed it right there. You know you had two creatives at the at the head, and I I think it's fine that you have two creatives at the helm of something, but they better be differently creative. You know they they better have skill sets that match each other rather than align perfectly with each other and leave this big gaping void on the other side of the equation, which is the business stuff. I think business is profoundly creative, or it can be, but it's a whole different side of the balance scale. No, and you also can't rely on those revenue streams. Like my buddy who moved to New Zealand recently, who designed the Beard Winners logos, he told me, he said, all right, man, now that you've made this decision, don't be afraid to start picking up those side gigs. Make sure that you know, you're doing whatever you can to keep money coming in and work on those projects and keep open to them. But also, I want your opinion because you said you've definitely failed and you've been vulnerable about your crash and burn. How do you know when you're spreading yourself too thin? Um, I, well, I mean, how do I know? I, I know now because of years of experience, I just kind of get this feeling like I'm, I'm, uh, uh, burning the candle at both ends and, and don't really can't it's for me, it's about focus. If I'm spread too thin, I, I have a hard time focusing on everything, uh, deeply enough to do a good job on things. And so, you know, the first thing for me to go is, I mean, I pull back on things like Facebook and anything that, that is not directly applicable to, in my case, building a new product, which is, you know, just another way for me to serve my audience. If I'm not making something that I can put out into the world and serve my audience, then I know that whatever else is taking me away from that, has to has to go on some level and even if that's you know like i mean you've got to balance it with things like you know making a website to sell the thing that you're that you're you're making um so you got to balance it with that but i guess you know because it's not getting done you know if you're spreading yourself too thin you're you're accomplishing you're getting little detaily things out of the way but you're not doing any of the important stuff it's that you know people talk about the priority of urgency over important stuff got to do the important stuff first to do, do your emails later, you know, unless it's an email to a client that's actually, you know, going to write you a check, but it, it's about prioritizing and just having a sense of, of what needs, what I read a book that, that I think it was called the one thing, or maybe it was just called one or I don't know, but it, he asked a very important question. He said, when you wake up in the morning, you sit down and you say, what one thing can I do today that by doing that one thing, it will make everything else either unnecessary or easier. And I know my one thing every day I sit down and I'm like, and actually I do it the night before, but I've got my marching orders. When I show up in my home office, you know, I'm dressed and ready for business. And I show up at the same time with my cup of coffee and I have my marching orders. I'm like, okay, this is the one big thing I need to do today. And it gets done first because everything else is either made unnecessary by doing it or it's made easier and if i don't get it done you know this is this is important we're we um our attention our focus is a resource and studies have shown that we have only so many decisions in a day that we can make and still draw upon our attention and our focus and do that really well. So you need to do the important stuff at the beginning of the day, because by the end you're getting taxed. You don't have the ability to make those same kind of decisions with the same kind of quality of thought. And so you, you show up and you get it done. And I think that's one of the things that people find really challenging 
especially people that are now finding themselves working from home. They're like, Hey, I can work in my bunny slippers. And I'm like, if that works for you, great. But you know what? Most people can't, I'm seeing all these internet memes about, you know, working without pants and whatever. And I'm like, you know what, if that works for you, absolutely go for it. But it doesn't work for me. I tried it for years. And it, to me, it's a, it's evidence of a mindset that has not wrapped itself around the idea that this is work and you got to show up and doesn't for me, it doesn't mean wearing a tie or anything, but it means being serious and taking this work seriously. And I don't just, you know, check email whenever I want. I don't check Facebook 30 times a day. I sit down and get my work done. And it's astonishing when you give it that focus, how much you can actually do, even if, you know, you have less time than I do because you have kids and you've only got three hours a day. If you've got only three hours, you better put it in and really make it count because you don't have the other seven hours a day that I'm putting in or that your so-called competition's putting in. But how do you stay so relentlessly focused? I mean, is it the the knowledge of, of what's going to come from the fruits of your labor or is it also the fact that you have people relying on you? It's it's that second one is important. It's in the background somewhere. And there are certainly times when that's more of a consideration, but the fact is I love getting stuff done. I mean, there is, for me, there is nothing sexier than seeing my book uh, on Amazon or on a shelf in a bookstore or, you know, seeing a product launch and, doing what I hoped it would do, getting great reviews and making good money and putting, yes, putting food on the table, but I love creating that thing. And so I'm, but I know that if it's just like, ah, you know what, I'll just wait till I feel like it. I, I would still be working on my first book. And so I, there's something about, even though I don't love the actual working, I mean, I don't really love sitting down and writing. It's frustrating at times, and but there's something so awesome about actually getting it done. And that pushes me. And I look at the calendar and I'm like, if I don't do it today, I'm going to have to do it tomorrow and then next week. And then it's going to push this project out. So I put stuff on the calendar and I'm like, by the end of the year, I got to have two new courses done and three new books written and X amount of emails and blog posts. And, and I like, if I don't do it today, it's not going to get done. There's an author, I think it was Scott Belsky, who has a lot to say about you know productivity and getting things done. And, and he taught, has this phrase of living a life that is uh, with a strong bias towards action. And I, that's, that's me. And it's not naturally me. It's sort of what I've had to enforce upon me. But I find I am happier at the end of a day when I have learned new things and I've got stuff done. I get to the end. I'm like, yeah, that was a great day. I worked hard. I didn't slack off, but I'm much happier when I'm in flow and getting things done. And I think most people are, you know, there's a, a great book called Flow by a Hungarian psychologist named uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Um, which is impossible to spell. So just search for flow on Amazon. Um, and he basically says the things that make us happy are challenge and doing things that push us to greater complexity, you know, and many of us don't like the idea of sitting down every day and challenging ourselves. We want it we want flow to be easy. Well, flow isn't easy. Flow is about challenge, but it is about getting in a space where your challenge the challenge that's presented to you matches the skills that you, your, your growing skill set, and you're so focused on it that you lose time and that things start to feel a little bit intuitive. That's the point that most of us want to be in every day, but it is not about just uh, being so good that it's easy. 
because then we get bored, right? And it's not about doing things that are so challenging that our skill set doesn't match it because then we get to anxiety. But if you can ride that kind of 45 degree line between the two, it's astonishing what you can actually get done. You just have to reframe it because many of us, we kind of wish it was just, we're just working for the weekend, right? I'm the opposite. I sit through the weekend going, man, it's nice to have a break, but I can't wait for Monday because I love, I love getting work done. Yeah. And maybe that anxiety, that feeling in your stomach, that's your drive can be transformed into just motivation to get stuff done versus pull back and say, "Eh, I can slide it down the road a little bit further. But I I do have to agree in that of the accomplishment feeling is what I'm trying to get at because you have two new books coming out, one called Start Ugly and the other with The Problem with Muses. I, I really want to hear about those because you've been working through COVID and a rapidly changing world. And what are each of these books about and what audience are they tailored towards? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking that. I um, I, I had, so Start Ugly is about starting. Um, the subtitle is The Unexpected Path to Everyday Creativity. And, uh, you know, I coach creative people. I talk to a lot of creative people, not just photographers, but writers and people from all kinds of different creative um, work contexts. And so many of them are constantly saying that the hardest part is just starting. The hardest part is getting stuff done. And there's so many reasons for it. And there's procrastination and there's the way we deal with time and, and all of this. And I, my feeling, my feeling is strongly that if we think, if before we get started, if we think we have to have it all figured out, if we are, um, if our thinking is dominated by this need to be perfect with our start on a project to have, you know, to have it all laid out, we know exactly where it's going, we will never get anything done. I mean, I I, I said this, I, I think I said this in one of my recent podcasts, but I've never started none of the things that I've started any of my books with none of the first sentences or paragraphs have ever actually made it into the book. They are just my commitment to getting started and they're ugly starts. They're, you know, they're rough. They're, they're, there's plenty of mistakes in them. There's plenty of detours, but the thing is when we get started on something that's, it is in the process of making it and figuring it out and making mistakes and learning this. And then, Oh, I just had this idea and that it's the start is, it can be as ugly as you want it to be. Because what I've learned over years of doing creative work is that the thing I end up with, whatever that project is, a website, a book, and in years past, a comedy act, whatever it was, it is never, ever, ever, ever what it was in the beginning right? When you start, there might be a glimmer, there might be a little bit of vision, there might be a here's kind of what I where I want to go. But the thing you end up with is so different. And so I want to get people I feel like if people start uglier, and are willing and totally embrace it, not just embrace it, but like run willingly towards the the ugly, and just go, you know what, it doesn't have to be ugly, but I have to start ugly, I have to start often, and just get going. So every day for me is like, I sit down and I start writing. And I don't know where it's going. I I get done by noon. I finish writing like a, a podcast episode and I'm sitting there eating my lunch going, I had no idea. I knew that. I had no <laughs> idea that was even going to come. Like I, I, it's not like I had it all thought out in my head. And so I sat down to start start ugly like a year ago. And the big irony of the, the whole thing is that it took me forever to get started on a book about starting. Um, but COVID was kind of this big, ugly context for me to kind of like go, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write it. And I, I wrote it in a, a relatively short period of time because I've been thinking about it for so long. But it's a it's about getting stuff done. 
And, um, and I think it applies to just about every creative aspect of our lives, whether, you know, you're, you're a home decorator or a writer or whatever it, it's a book that kind of honors the imperfect starts and nudges people to greater creative freedom because none of us are that ingenue that, you know, that prodigy that's just going to start, pick up the guitar and go, I'm going to write a song today. And 15 minutes later, there, there it is a, a perfect masterpiece, three minute song. Uh, it takes a long time bashing it out. And um, I think people get discouraged. They think they're the only ones. They think they are the only ones that find this so damn hard to get started. And you're not, everyone does. And I think I wrote that book as a way to present a handful of keys to unlock the start for people. So that's that, you know, that's my hope. And then the other is uh, I just saw it as an opportunity to kind of pack a one, two punch. Uh, the other is 28 of the best of my podcast uh, episodes from a beautiful anarchy, which is all about finding freedom and courage for everyday creativity. And so it's a lot about the inner struggle, you know, and our, the imposter syndrome and our fears about failure. Some of us are fears of success, you know, what voices we listen to in our creative life, the roles of others and all of the kind of the stuff that frankly, if we can wrap our, our minds around that being creative, that's what it's really all about. It's not about how you use your tools. Um, the, the common thing is the internal game of creativity. So I put it out in the hopes that, you know, putting them out together would give people something to read and bash around during this time of it's, it's quite uncertain. Um, and I think people are saying, Oh, you know, every, everything's changed. Everything is suddenly so uncertain, but I think everything's always been uncertain. Creativity is always uncertain. And the difference is now we're just, uh, we don't have the luxury of pretending it's not, you know, now it's just like, there is no, everyone I know is kind of going, what the heck do we do now? And, but that's creativity. And so if ever there was a time for creative thinking, now is the time to get on board with the skills that it requires, you know, that we require to be creative in our thinking and think, to think differently about problems and to find new solutions. If ever there was a time, you know, it's staring us right in the face. In a perfect time to add value. And one of my heroes in podcasting and also probably one in, of yours, hopefully in comedy is, is Joe Rogan. And he had two quotes that I kept thinking of while you were answering the question was, you have to put in the work today so you can enjoy tomorrow and continue that path. And I think Kevin Hart was on that episode when he talked about that. And also you have to work your material. Same thing when it comes to photography, you're going to go out and maybe your photos are going to stink. But if you give up and throw your hands up in the air and say, Hey, I'm done that's really not where you're going to learn. But at the end of the day, you could have some amazing shots depending on how you look at them later. So I guess where I'm getting with that is if you find yourself in a creative rut, how do you step back, sort of detox from that mentality that you're not good enough at the moment and start with a fresh, I guess, perspective? Well, I, I think you um, I think you have to be honest and just admit you're not good enough at the moment. I mean, we're all trying so damn hard to be masters and make a masterpiece that we're not actually putting in the work to become a master. And the, you know, the example of comedy is a great idea. We always used to say, you got to have a place to suck. You got to have a place to go. And you know what? Talk about starting ugly. I mean, most comedians, they get on for open mic night with a new set and it's rough, man. It's really <laughs> rough. It's so hard. You get on and you're staring at this audience. It's like, dude, this is what you got. And, but you know what? It's, 
creativity is this is what the whole premise of start ugly is you got to start in such a way with your raw materials that you're still working it out you can't wait until they suddenly are all in order and start looking pretty you start with the ugliest stuff and you bash it around and you go to the open mic nights and you do your bit and you record it and you listen to and you know comedians will actually listen to uh, recording of their set and they will count laughs per minute and they will look at where there was uh, you know uh, too long um, like too much silence between you know the setup and the punchline or whatever and they'll be like okay I got to tighten that up and they'll go back and they will tighten it up they'll edit out the fat and they'll figure out a way to make it tighter and smarter change the order of words it is a constant refinement and they're not afraid of it because there's no running away from it when you're on the stage and you to give it everything you've got and the audience is looking at you with these blank stares there's no hiding it like there's just you, you can't too many of us are hiding from it and we're like trying we're trying to make ourselves feel like no it's okay i'm good enough well, you know what they to get into flow you the the there are a number of um circumstances or or um conditions that are required for flow and one of them is that we are constantly challenging ourselves and building up our skill set and we've just got to be relentlessly dedicated to getting better at what we do knowing that it's kind of not the point if, if you, you're not good enough that's fine the work will make you good enough so get to work if we wait until we're good enough before we work you will not only never get the work done but the work will never get its work done in you right we make art but art makes us at the same time and so I would say you just you've got to get out there and you've got to get over the fact that you don't feel like you're good enough. Who cares? You're not good enough. You are not, you know, you're not good enough. Michelangelo was not good enough to paint the Sistine Chapel until he painted the Sistine Chapel. At the end, once he'd done it, he was good enough to paint the Sistine Chapel. But he wasn't at the beginning, right? It, because it was a process. He learned how to be the Michelangelo that was going to paint the Sistine Chapel. And that's the same with all of us. We've kind of got to get over ourselves a little bit and just focus on doing the work and be okay with sucking, you know? I mean, I, well, just, it, really, just it imagine. doesn't kill you to get on. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, and I was just going to piggyback off that. Just, to, just imagine that if a baby wondered what people thought about their first steps or whether or not people were judging how their first steps were, I don't think they'd ever walk. So I think getting over yourself is key to be able to actually push through and have the courage to keep trying and refining. It's it's a great example. I, I actually opened open the book, Start Ugly, talking about that very thing, you know, and I, I close it with the same thing because, you, you know, I mean, let's, let's face it. I, now I don't have kids, but you know, I, my friends have kids. I was, a, I was a baby at one point. And I understand that when babies are born, everyone oohs and ahs, but you know what? They, I, <laughs> they're not really the prettiest looking things. No, I mean, blobs. when we come into this world, we're kind of, we're kind of ugly little things. And even if you don't subscribe to that, even if you think every baby is this most beautiful thing and you can at least acknowledge that when we are born, we we are barely a hint of what we will become. There's not a lot of potential. I mean, there's a ton of potential in there, but you don't see it, right? No. And and it's the same thing when we learn a language. You know, we many people don't learn a language because they never actually practice because their mouth sounds like it's full of marbles and they can't quite get the words out and they're embarrassed and then they stop. Well, you're never going to get good at French or Italian or whatever language you're learning, except by working your mouth around those new sounds. And for a while, it's going to be ugly. 
but slowly bit by bit, it's going to refine. And one day you're going to be at that restaurant talking in, you know, maybe not fluent Italian, but you're having part of a conversation. You're like, Oh my God, look at that. I just look at me rocking the Italian. I just learned, you know, I just ordered a, a, a thing, right? You couldn't have done that a year ago, but you don't say I'm going to learn Italian and then give up because, well, I don't speak Italian, right? Why, why did you quit Spanish class? Well, I just don't speak Spanish. I'm not good at it. Well, of course, you're not good at it. <laughs> you, you, you quit before you let the lesson, you know, grab hold of you. And I think too many of us do that in life. We just, we quit before we allow the work to do what the work will do in us. And, and I always say, and if you can't, if you say you can or you can't, you're right either way. So I think that's a, sure. a, a great, um, way to look at life as well too but i'm not going to hold you from um, your bike ride that you have coming up here and i really wanted to have you on the show and honestly to be completely transparent and vulnerable with you i was in a rut i didn't want to shoot anymore um, going out and doing photography was a chore and i tuned into a creative anarchy started listening to some of those episodes it just got my mojo back and i strongly suggest that if someone who's listening to this podcast has not heard of a creative anarchy please tune into david's episodes he puts so much thought intent and there's so much inspiration that you can get out of each and every episode and i sincerely thank you for joining me and taking part of your day to talk to my listeners yeah you're very welcome thanks so much for having me i appreciate it cheers take care all right i hope you all enjoyed that episode that we had there with david i mean easily one of the most inspirational people i can think of and easily the person I can attribute a lot of why I started doing the podcast again, picked up the camera again, picked up a pencil and started drawing again and figured out I'm wasting potential if I'm not even trying to do something creative. I mean, yes, we discussed in the podcast, we need to start ugly. I have many drawings out there and many photos that are ugly. They're hideous. But I honestly, easily would have beat myself up so much more if I would have not drawn those taken the photo, or at least tried. So if you can, head on over to any of the links that are in the show notes for David. A Beautiful Anarchy is going to be a great podcast resource for you to listen to to help reinvigorate your creative mojo and help you get back in the groove to you know, sling that creativity left and right with no quarrels about it. Also, please head on over to beardwinner.com forward slash support. If you buy anything on Amazon, buy what you typically buy. Just go through the Beardwinner link. It'll help the podcast out. But more importantly, if I can assign, assign, wow, words here. If I can assign any homework to anyone on the podcast, please share the podcast. I want this to be a community. I want people to feel free to reach out via Facebook, Instagram, email, Darren at beardwinner.com. And let me know how we can make this more of a community. I want us to have free-flowing ideas. I want us to figure out which guest we want on here as well, and it, the conversation to be driven by you all. I'm going to do my best to keep the, the guests fresh, keep them as far as various, and we're going to have some other episodes coming up discussing bourbon, um, have some episodes coming up discussing other creative outlets, and just general things about life. As long as it's love, happy, and sharing just positivity, that's really what it's all about. I hope you all have an excellent couple of weeks, and we'll talk to you soon.